Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Eats Strategy. With your host, entrepreneur Jamie J. Jamie J. On this podcast, we unpack the most powerful, intangible culture. Culture. Culture is way more than a mission statement or words on a wall. It's how a company behaves. It's what informs every decision, action, and reaction. Culture is the invisible hand, the true north that guides every organization. And if you create a legendary culture, you will build a legendary company. A legendary company. Now, here he is, Jamie J. Jamie J. Hello. Hello. It's Jamie J with Culture Eat Strategy, and we are back for another episode. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Peter Drucker. Uh, obviously, thank you, Christopher Lockhead, for uh, giving me the... Um, courage to move forward on this adventure. It's getting more fun all the time. And um, Culture Each Strategy is, is not only the name of this podcast, but it is a belief system that not only myself, uh, but our entire team uh, follow. And one of the things that we talked about in one of our meetings the other day, I thought was pretty interesting, was that um, we want to empower everybody to make their own decisions. Um, and we feel that in doing so, um, people are more likely, people meaning our team, um, uh, our family, are more likely to enjoy what they're doing here. here. And, and here I'm, I'm talking about Bottleneck, the, uh, the virtual assistant company that we have. And what we did is we decided, um, and, and again, this is uh, thanks to Gabe Arnold for, for pointing this out to us, but um, what we did is we decided to, to um, define what it was to make a decision. And what that was is uh, we're going to make a decision for the company first because if the company is not healthy, we can't do anything else. And if that decision, that the second part of that decision is this good for our, the staff, the team, the family, um, because if we don't take care of our, our staff, guess what happens? We can't take care of our clients. And so when we make a decision, we make sure it answers yes in each of those three different levels. And we've really done great things. And part of our meetings now, uh, thanks to Anthony Oliver, uh, the COO, um, one of the questions that he asks every team member when they come on for our weekly meetings is, what decision did you make this past week that you wouldn't have normally made? And I thought that was great, a great way to empower, a great way to build positive culture and positive influence. And the reason I'm so excited and the reason why I told you the story is because today we have Leon Rogers uh, who's joining us and she's coming to us from Better Teams. And quickly before I introduce you, I just wanted to give you a little background. Um, she's an IEF certified professional facilitator with 20 years of experience in the human development field. And Leanne is a skilled meeting facilitator, trainer, and coach working across the globe to help leaders cultivate cultures that are both highly productive and positive. I love this. I absolutely love it. Motivated to provide solutions for the common challenges that all leaders and organizations face. She channels her passions into creating better teams, model, and assessment which includes five components, all critical for a high-performing team, alignment, readiness, happiness, leadership, and trust. And we're going to be going over that today, which is uh, super, super exciting. Um, she has also developed team building in a box, a self-guided workshop kit for leaders based on disk communication styles that is used by teams around the world. You can go learn more by going to better teamscom That's better with a hyphen teams, plural, 
betterteamsgroup.com. And you can find her on Facebook and Twitter at Better Teams. And on Twitter, it's at Better Team underscore uh, CO. Uh, so this is, uh, this is great. We're going to be talking um, a little bit about Better Teams and the model and the assessments today with Leon. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jamie. Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. I'm so excited to have you on board, and I'm really looking forward to talking a little bit more about Better Teams and what it is. And I wonder if maybe uh, to kick things off, you can kind of give us a little background on um, what you do and, and how you do it. Absolutely. So I work with teams and I also work with facilitators and trainers who work with teams uh, to help leaders build high, happy teams and high productive teams. As you said in your intro there, if te- people aren't happy, if the relationships aren't there, it doesn't matter how hard they're working, it's not sustainable. So in order to have a good long-term company and the team that's working well, you got to have both. And that's what I love to do. So I use a lot of tools and techniques and, and a lot of experience and just love working with leaders. Oh, that's fantastic. So I'm really interested. Um, it, we just recently implemented uh, a full-scale DISC uh, assessment for our, not for our candidates, and we give our um, clients the opportunity to complete a little 20-question assessment, and it aligns them perfect with these. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to get into the DISC assessments. But before we do that, I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about um, how you approach a team uh, with regards to the assessment that you have, and maybe we can dive in there just to kind of get started. Yeah, sure. So um, every team is different, right? Every team has a different need and a different expectation if they're wanting to do some team building with the team. One of the things I found really helpful is oftentimes a leader says, I, I need some team building, and they may have a vague idea of what they want or a vague idea of what they think should happen, but they're not always super clear on really what to do. And there's so many different things you can do with a team. It's hard to know where to start. And so what I, I find really helpful is to use a broad assessment like this one I, I have, and there are others out there too, but to use an assessment to let the team assess themselves and then decide where you know where are we where are we working really well what do we want to continue and then what are our opportunities so for me having an assessment is really a door opener to a really good conversation with the team about the team so that they're building they're building their strength together so i i'm curious okay so you have this assessment form i i absolutely love it by the way um i'm so can you maybe maybe walk through um you walk into a company and you're going to be helping the team. They're all gathered around uh, a, a conference room or, or something like that. Um, what do you, what's the first thing you're getting uh, when you're, what are the, what's the first thing you're doing when you first meet that team? Yeah, well, it, it would be different. Again, it depends on the team and how long we're meeting and what their needs are. But if we're if we're going to start off with the assessment, what would have happened is prior to that meeting, everybody would have gone online individually and completed an online assessment. It takes about 15 minutes. They would complete an assessment. It rolls into a single report, which says it's anonymous, but it rolls everybody's information and comments into one big report together. Um, depending on the team and, and how high the trust was, we might start off with some exercises and facts if I have a day with them, Jamie, we talked about DISC. If I had a day with them, an ideal day to me would be to start off with DISC because it warms people up and gets people talking about their communication styles and what they like and what they don't. It's fun and 
it's interesting and it's also like really practical as far as learning how to work together. An ideal day for me would be to do DISC in the morning, have a fun lunch together, and then spend the afternoon digging into the assessment. And, and how I would do it is present it to them and kind of walk them through it kind of piece by piece and say, as we go through, you know, let's go through and identify what are the areas of this team? What did you all rate yourselves really high? What are you doing really well? And allow them to really dig into that and to celebrate it. Because I think so often we look at assessments and the first thing we do is we go right to the, okay, what's wrong? What didn't work? Or where did we score badly, right? I do too. We all, we're all guilty of that. And so my first step is to slow the team down and say, wait a second, what can you celebrate? What's worth celebrating? And why? Uh-huh. So spending some time in that is important. And yeah. then after that, digging into, okay, now where are your greatest opportunities? And the other thing that I love about the, this process is it's not me or another facilitator coming in or an HR person coming in and saying, okay, you took the assessment. Here's what's wrong with you or here's where you're good. It's about here's the data that you all said and asking really good questions so the team gets to figure out um, what they think. You know, they, the team gets to say, wow, we scored low here and, and this is why we think so. So they're unpacking it. They're a part of the process of figuring out the opportunities and all of that leads into action steps, you know. So what are we going to do with this information? What do you as a team want to do going forward? Which is the ultimate goal to me of a meeting like this is to walk out clear about what's happening and also with some real clear action steps that people can be held accountable to to build the team. You just, you said something that's really important, at least to me, um, but I thought was very interesting. You let the, the team unpack it. They have a discussion a lot of times, in my opinion, I'm from corporate America days, and I'm not saying corporate America is bad. It just wasn't for me. But a lot of my experience is, is this would never happen. Um, and, and I think it's so important uh, for the production level and for cohesion and team experience. It's so important to open a dialogue and create these channels of communication. And if you're setting back a day, yeah, uh, sales aren't getting done and this, you know, the business. But this is, I think, maybe even more important than sales. Um, And it's really, I really heard and and appreciated the fact that you said, you know what, let the team unpack it and let them start talking. How often are they doing this? Yeah. Well, if, if it's with me, that's, that's, that's just my approach. And, and this is why it works. I, I've worked with teams before that were really resistant, like, uh, you know, coming in very low trust levels, not working well, uh, conflict and hidden conflict even, which is, is almost worse, right? Because they didn't trust each other. So just really hesitant, resistant, um, not excited at all to come into a half day. This was a half day session I'm thinking of in mind. Not at all excited to come in and spend a half a day talking about the team when they had work to do. They had work to do, right? And so what happened was, though, through this process of asking them and letting them begin to talk about it, um, they became the owners of it. They got more yeah. empowered, empowered by the process, and they were the ones deciding what to do. So they actually, by the end of this meeting, were leaving like excited. They had three committees formed. They had all these different things they wanted to work on, and it wasn't anybody telling them. They were all volunteering to do this, and so that's the beauty of it. If you want to get buy-in, I think the secret is it has to come from the the people on the team, not from the leader or not from a consultant or a facilitator or a human resources person coming in. It comes from them. And so it's, it's all about, I think, 
asking great questions and engaging them and getting them to figure it out, helping them to figure it out through asking good questions. I, I think that you, you mentioned too, that not all the people that you're talking to are super excited about, you know, I've got work to do. What are we doing? I can't believe it. Yes. That's not uncommon at all. And there's, if not everybody on the team, there's usually at least one or two people that are kind of the naysayers, right? Coming in like, I cannot believe this. She's going to make us do touchy feely things. And what's the point? You know, we're here to do the work, not to sing songs together. And it's not about singing songs or any of that. That's that's not practical. (laughs) No, no. But that's the impression I think a lot of people have when they think of team building sometimes is it's this fluffy light stuff. Um, And it can be fun, but I think the key to this is it's meaningful and it's powerful because it's about them well so in in this template um or in 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 uh, the assessment I, I should say um i'm looking at a triangle right now and in that triangle on the on the outside it says it's the better teams model it says candid vulnerable interdependent and then trust is written yeah. three times and then there's four other triangles uh one is for happy one is for leadership one is aligned and one is ready Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. And so I'll try to describe it since I know a lot of people aren't looking at it right now. So there's a triangle and the triangle is basically made up of five smaller triangles. Well, four smaller and one large one around the edge. Um, And so these are the components. um, In my experience, this 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 is something I've created based off just, you know, my experience in working with teams. These are the five elements you want in a strong team that's both happy um, and productive. And so you've got to have leadership. That's why it's in the center of the model. You've got to have leadership. But leadership in this model isn't just about the, oh, thanks for sharing it. Leadership isn't just about the leader. Uh, Anybody on a team can demonstrate leadership abilities, can step up. And so leadership is about everyone. Then the, the, the smaller little words around it are the things that are measured in the assessment. So communication skills, are people accountable to each other and for the work that they do? Are they being proactive? Then if you go around, I like to go to aligned next, which is the purple triangle. Um, the aligned one is all about, is the team really aligned? O- often I find when teams are having a lot of conflict, it's because they lack alignment about w- around one of these three things. It's either the goals um, and the mission of the team, like what's, this, what's it about and what's our goal here, is, is confused or not understood well. It might be roles and responsibilities. Jamie, I think you're responsible for it. Do you think I'm responsible for it? Or maybe we both want to be responsible for it. We're mm. that there, there's not clarity on roles and responsibilities. And sometimes align, we aren't aligned on the methods or the processes, on the how we do things. All of this can cause confusion and can also cause conflict. Then the third area, so we've got leadership aligned. The third area in green is readiness. Is the team ready to do the work? Mm. Um, are they have equipped? Right? Do they have the right tools and the right technologies and the right information? Are they competent? Do they have the right skills and experience? Or are there some training gaps there? And are they adaptive? In this crazy world where every team I work with is dealing with constant change and stress, is this team able to adapt and flex in those moments? And then we get to the top, we get to happy. And I don't know why this is a personal favorite of mine, but happiness, <laughs> right? Because you can have great leadership and you can be aligned and you can be ready. But if you're not happy, it's not sustainable. And so happiness to me involves the teams that feel connected to each other. You know, we live in a world where lots of teams have virtual members or the entire team might be virtual. So 
feeling connected, like they're, they know each other. There's a relationship there. And are they engaged with the work and excited by it? And are they fulfilled by it? You know, this is really important to millennials to be fulfilled, like to feel like what I do matters in the world. What I'm doing is making a difference. But I think it's important it's way beyond millennials. I think people of all ages want to feel like what they do matters. Sure. And then, yeah. And then you get to the final triangle, which is trust, which is the one I think you love. It's the biggest one and it encompasses everything because all those things in the middle, leadership, alignment, happiness, readiness, all those things build trust or can destroy trust. And so trust is about, you know, being candid and being willing to, you know, a team has trust when they're willing to give each other feedback, mm. uh, not just the good feedback, but the, you know, hey, Jamie, when that happened, this is how it impacted me having a good, honest conversation, right? Or to disagree, you know, I just don't think we're headed in the right direction when the whole team is excited about something, being willing to say that. Or, you know, a team has high trust when they're willing to be vulnerable with each other, you know, when they're mm. willing to say, I don't get this, or I need help, or I'm stuck. And then finally, the last element is just that interdependence that we know we're better. I trust you and I count on you and I lean in on you. So we're not siloed off doing our own work protectively. We're all like working together for the greater good. We're collaborating and I trust you and I count on you for that. So those are the elements we we measure in the assessment and talk through. I absolutely love that. I think it's fantastic. Um, This is, there's so many, okay, so I'll be completely honest with you. The reason I got out of corporate America is very cutthroat. Everybody was trying to one-up someone else to get higher up on that status ladder. And that was not me. Um, Who had the better suit? Who had the better watch? Who had the better fancier car? And it was was all so money-centric, money-hungry. And I understand. We all have to make an income. Um, I totally get that. But that just wasn't me. And... We never got to go through an exercise like this. And I could only imagine what would happen had we have gone through. Like, it would have, yeah, we wouldn't, we were not in a position to where we could say, you know what, I trust you and, 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 uh, you know, be vulnerable. No, uh uh, there was definitely, there was no room for that. And that's just not, in my opinion, a healthy way to live. Yeah, it's it's not it's not it's not healthy. I don't think you're right. I think it leads to a lot of stress and unhappiness and and resentfulness. And then, yeah, people to either do one of two things: they quit and they leave and go to another company or another department or another business, or they quit and they stay, and they just you know roll along with it and just barely do what they need to do to get by. And so we don't want that, right? We want engaged employees. And so part of that is creating a culture in which people feel like they make a difference and they matter and what they're doing is important and they're connected. So I love it too. Fun stuff. Man, you just wrapped it all up. That was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did want to touch on one more thing before uh, we, we, we move on and and wrap this up out of respect for your, your time is I do want to touch on disc profiles and, and for those that may not even know what a disc profile is, maybe you can give us a little overview what a disc profile, what it sure. tells you, and what the DISC, the DISC, stand for? Absolutely. So I'll go real high level here. So DISC is a communication styles model. Um, it's been around or started in the, I think, 40s or 50s um, by a man named Dr. William Marston. It's kind of evolved. There's lots of different types of DISC assessments out there. But the essence of it is 
um, there are four basic communication styles. So it's not personality. It's how we prefer and like to communicate with others. Um, and what I love about it is it's so simple that you can, once you understand it, you can really, really um, figure out who, who, who has what style. And the key is then you can adapt your style to better work with them. So we tend to treat everybody like we like to be treated, but we're all different, right? So just to give you, there's different words for it, but the D, just, just to give you an idea, if you're a driver, if you're a D or you're dominant um you're like fast paced call it like you see it shoot straight you know no holds bar goal oriented really direct with people um if you're a high i you're um also fast paced and um you like to talk but you're more creative and relationship oriented so you more like to brainstorm or ideate together or create and connect to people very socially and in a very creative way if you're an S, like the I, you're also very people-oriented and relationship-oriented, but different than the I, you're more, wait, let me slow this process down. Let me think this through. Um, don't necessarily talk before you think it through well and prefer to be more behind the scenes and making sure everything's taken care of really well, but don't like a lot of attention for it. And then the final one is a C. Um, like the S, it's also more behind the scenes, more process-oriented, but unlike the S, it's more the task focus, like the D. In other words, it's more scientific. So it likes to analyze, crunch numbers, look at things, research things, just really wants to be sure things are done right. Detailed, yes. Yeah. And so they're all good, right? There's no good or bad style. In fact, we're all a blend of each of these styles. Nobody's a style. We're all blends and we can all adapt. But we usually have a style or two that's really dominant for us. And that's how we show up on a team. And often, and Jamie, I'm sure you've seen this, it's probably why you match people. Oftentimes, what happens is we're working with somebody who has a style very different than us, and it clashes. Yeah. So, for example, you have a high D who's direct and walks in and says, I need to get this done, and I need to get it done now. And you have a high S who's more like slow it down, process, relationship-oriented, who feels, you know, um, affronted or, or hurt or offended by the directness of the D. The D wasn't trying to be offensive. The D's just calling it like it is. Mm -hmm. And then the S might be kind of, you know, slower and drive the D crazy because they want him to get to the point. So yep. it's so fun to unpack this with people too. But the, the, the key is when we understand the styles and then we can figure out, oh, this is why this person needs a lot of information before they make a decision. Or this is why that person always like, you know, always talks and talks and talks when I bring up an idea because they're processing out loud. We just begin to understand people better. Uh, and I find almost immediately once people go through DISC um, training or DISC workshops as a team, they shift how they see people mm. into a more positive light. And they, there's a greater understanding and willingness to go, oh, now I get it. If I just give you a little more information, you'll be happier. Or if I get more straight to the point with you, you'll be happier, you know, depending on the style. Yeah. yeah. And do, do you ever do judgment assessments as well? Judgment assessments? Yeah. In addition I don't know that one. No. Well, I, was, I was wondering because it was really neat. Um, we recently implemented the two together. And it, I don't like the name of it because it just sounds judging. But it's really cool. It pops up and gives you an examples like how to ask questions to the different styles the different the different you know style types and and uh um it, it's just really kind of a neat introspective kind of gives everybody a little cheat sheet so to speak um so that was pretty interesting and and it was really cool too you said there's a little bit different styles when you're in front of people the um technically what they call it in disc is the adaptive versus natural uh states so the natural states is how you are at, at home when you're feeling comfortable and the adaptive is kind of maybe 
you know, what you want people to see a little bit more, uh, maybe in a professional environment or whatever that may be. And we did it for 16 members on our team. And one person was exactly the same natural and adaptive. And I thought that was really unique. I hadn't seen that before. Yeah, I have seen that. You're, you're using the TTI assessment. If they, that's the one that has natural and adaptive, it's a really good assessment. Um, yeah, adaptive means that you're having to adapt to your environment a little bit, and a lot of people do. It's not a bad thing, right? A lot of times, your your environment may call for a more, uh, you know, speak out loud or slow things down or be real relation. Everything might be different, so you're adapting to your environment. What I find is on that assessment, if your natural and your adaptive scores are far apart. All that means is you're, you're adapting, but you're going to be a lot more tired at the end of the day because you're working, oh. in, you're having to work in a, in a style that's not your natural style. So for that person who's natural and adaptive styles are very close together, it's fortunate for them because they don't have to work so hard, right? They just to kind of get to, they get to kind of work in their natural way. So nothing's good or bad. It just, but, but you are more tired when your natural and your adaptive styles are very different. Wow. That's so interesting. And I love hearing your perspective on that. What, what else do you think, um, I, maybe questions I'm not asking about a DISC uh, assessment that may be helpful to organizations? Well, I think with DISC or the team's assessment, whatever assessment, I think the idea is it's so important to just to understand more about each other as individuals, right? Mm-hmm. And we're working together a lot. How do we work? What, what do you need from me? What do I need from you? How are we working as a team? What's working? What's not? And so we make a lot of assumptions about people. Uh, and about systems, we make a lot of assumptions. It's it's how we how we understand our world. We all have stories that we make up and beliefs that we make up. That's how we make sense of our world. But oftentimes, are are they're incorrect or they're they're misguided or we're missing we're missing something. So taking the time with the team to to do a disc assessment or to do a team assessment or other type. There's all types of great assessments out there. It allows the team to really slow down and learn about each other and learn about how they're working and spend time talking about how to work together, not just the work itself, but how we work together. And I think that's just so critical to building the culture, which is what you're all about here, Jamie, right? We've got to talk about the behaviors and how we work together, not just what the work is and when it's due. It's so easy to put that off. Uh, You may have seen the, um, it's the Eisenhower matrix popularized by Cubby, which was the urgent and unimportant module. If if not, there's just four steps there. But basically, so often we spend our time in things that are urgent and important. I mean, that's where we spend most of our time running around. This is urgent. There's a deadline. This is due. I have a meeting. This is on my calendar. So it's urgent. And those things just fill up our days at work. Where we don't spend our time is those things that are not urgent, but are important. And those are those things like strategy, planning, relationship building, team building, all those learning, development, training, all of those things are really important, but because they're not urgent, we don't, we don't make they time They get put on the back burner. Yeah. We go, oh, when we get there, oh, when this schedule lightens up, uh, we'll get there. We'll plug we it in. We just don't have time for that. Yeah, but it never lightens up. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. always busy. So what we have to do, I think, is think, is this important, this culture thing? And I think we would both agree it is, right? (laughs) So we have to make it important. We have to actually make it urgent by scheduling it, by saying we're going to spend this much time on it. We're going to look at our team on a regular basis and figure out how do we make it better. Um, And one way to do it is assessments. Um, That's just one way, though. But spending time talking about it, I think, is really important. I, I absolutely agree. And and thank you so much for sharing your insight. It's 
it's incredible. My, my, my man, I, I want to invite you to talk to my team. <laughs> oh, I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is fantastic. So how do people get in touch with you if they want to learn more? Yeah, so you can go to my website and there's, by the way, if you want to take a, a quick quiz online just to get a taste of like what your strength is for your team of those five elements, there's a quiz at the top of the banner page, but it's better-teams.com and the dash is important uh, or you'll get to a different website, but it's better-teams.com. It's probably the best way to find me and I've got lots of blogs, Jamie, um, for people who are looking for fun things to do with teams, activities or uh, how to build trust or how to build a charter or just fun activities, lots and lots and lots of stuff out there that's free for people to kind of go peruse and use as they want to. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I can't thank you enough. Is there anything else that you'd like to say before we go ahead and wrap up today's episode? I have one more tip. Can I share one more tip that might be useful? Yeah, 100%. Okay, so we've been talking about assessments kind of from a more paper pencil or online assessment, but a simple way that every leader can assess their team on a regular basis, besides just that, because we've been kind of talking about more macro assessments, a micro version of that would be at the end of every meeting to spend five minutes just saying, okay, let's talk about what went well in this meeting. And then what are the opportunities? So a lot of times we call that plus delta. So what went well? This is a quick thing, a quick round robin, or people can popcorn it out. But what did we do well? And then what didn't go so well that we can improve upon next time? So you're doing an assessment of the meeting, but what you're doing is you're learning from each other about what behaviors, again, are, are going to lead to success. And then what do you need to tweak in the next meeting? So mm-hmm. assessments don't always have to be a big, you know, a big ordeal, right? A big, a big process. Sometimes it's just a little five minute check-in at the end of a meeting um, to learn and to get people talking about not just the work, but how are we working together? So I just wanted to share that tip because it's something people can go and implement immediately in every meeting that they have. Oh, I love it. I've, it's fantastic. Yeah. And it's very powerful. It's very small, but it's very, very powerful. Absolutely. Very small, but very big. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the little stuff is the that has the biggest impact, doesn't it? Oh, it's so true. It's so true. Oh my gosh! Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time, uh, Leanne. This has been uh, a wonderful episode because going into depth into your assessments and things like that. Yeah, highly recommend. Go to Better Dash Teams dot com learn more about it there's a little assessment there if you want to take one um and uh, i really enjoyed the little tip right at the very end uh where we talk about you know at the end of a meeting just take a quick five minutes to evaluate it you know how how, how did the meeting go how, how did you you know how the, was there any way that we could have improved uh what were the challenges that you noticed things like that i think are are incredible ways of just improving the overall culture uh within your organization um anything else leanne before we leave for today no, what, it's just been a great time connecting to you. I was excited. I, I mean, I love the name of your organization. And Jamie, it's been great to connect to you. Thank you for letting me be a part of your um, podcast here. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. My name is Jamie J. Uh, with Leanne Rogers today of better Dash. Uh, teams.com. This is Culture Eats Strategy. Um, Leading with kindness is our slogan here and uh, absolutely love it. So thank you so much for tuning in today. A lot of great details today, which I really, really appreciated. So thank you so much. And uh, let me know, go to iTunes and leave us a rating review. I'd be very happy to see a five-star rating, but I'd also be happy to see a three-star rating because I want to know what you think. 
I really want to hear your feedback. If you see us out on social media, leave me some feedback. If you want to go ahead and learn more, send me an email, info at bottleneck.online. And we look forward to uh, hearing from you soon. You can go check out all of our episodes at culture.bottleneck.online to learn more and uh, listen to some of the other episodes. But I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Leanne. Uh, We had a ton of fun doing this. So thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, I will talk with you again very, very soon.